Hello and welcome to Think Atlantic, a series by IRI's Transatlantic Strategy Division in which we provide you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. My name is Thibaut Muzerg and I'm your host for this show. We are live from Rome at the Med Atlantic Summit, an event organized by IRI in cooperation with our friends in Italy, Fare Futuro, and the Italian uh, Atlantic Committee. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the Mediterranean and its strategic importance for the transatlantic alliance. And if ever you had any doubt, uh, there is actually a link with what's going on in Ukraine right now. So to do this, uh, I am joined by uh, four very special uh, guests. Uh, first of all, is Pascal Osser. He is a retired admiral from the French Navy and currently general director of the Mediterranean Foundation for Strategic Studies or FMES. Uh, I'm also joined by Balkan uh, Delvin who is a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier uh, Institute where he leads the transatlantic program. Uh, I'm also joined by uh, Fabrizio Giorli uh, who is the president of the Itali Italian Atlantic Committee and last but not least I am also joined by all Hamdi, uh, who is an entrepreneur and uh, founder of the movement for the Third Republic. Everybody, it's great to have you on board. Thanks very much for taking the time to wake up earlier than the others uh, and uh, talk to us today. Thanks for having us. So these days, everybody, as I said, is talking about Ukraine and there are obvious reasons for that, but, and, and we do as well on, on, on Think Atlantic and at IRI. Just like a short note, uh, if you have missed it, uh, we released last week a special episode from the front lines with uh, Maria Tomak and Solomia Bobrovska that I invite you uh, to uh, check out. But uh, we can't forget other important strategic theaters in our neighborhood. And the MED is a very specific specific uh, area. It has uh, a special place uh, for us, for our security, and it is also, as I said, very much linked to Ukraine. And truth be told, for the past 15 years, the post-COVID, the sorry, the post-Cold War order in the uh, Mediterranean has been unraveling. We've had civil wars and uprisings in the southern and eastern shores of the Med, the weakening of key Atlantic uh, allies north of the Med. There's been the intrusion of new geopolitical actors and reassertion of all powers that have changed the strategic uh, environment for NATO allies and to link it up with uh, Ukraine. Let's uh, remember that uh, Russia opened or reopened its uh, naval base in uh, Syria, more precisely in Latakia. And of course, uh, there is, it is not a coincidence that uh, China opened its first base outside of the uh, Chinese mainland in Djibouti, which is opening, so to speak, the, the path to the, through the Red Sea and then to the Mediterranean. So my first question to you, my guests, is how, how do we stop the disruption and how how can transatlantic allies work together to uh, promote stability in the uh, Mediterranean and, and, and sort of put an end to this uh, uh, disruption? I, I will start with uh, Admiral Osser. Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, even if the war did not exist, uh, the war in Ukraine did not exist, the, the Mediterranean basin uh, would remain a concentration of tensions. We observe now a divergence between the two shores of the Mediterranean, north and south, which is uh, completely uh, uh, the opposite that we sought 30 years ago when we, uh, after the Barcelona summit, after the Mediterranean dialogue in NATO, uh, we, the two shores were supposed to converge on a single model and uh, more or less on a Western model. It's not the case. And uh, today, the South 
South and, and North shores of the Med are diverging uh, in economy, in political model, in culturally, uh, demographic, all, all the, the metrics shows that uh, they are divergent. And these discrepancies create frustration, create tension, internal tension inside the societies, tension between the South and the North. There is a very, very strong resentment vis-à-vis uh, Europe's in the south, in, in the north, in North Africa and the Middle East, uh, and that's the first uh, cause of tension. The second one you mentioned uh, it already uh, with the retractation of the posture, American posture in the Med. There is now room of maneuvers for for new powers, regional powers, a lot of powers, Middle East powers, for example, Qatar, Emirates. Iran uh, is now in, in acting in the Med, but uh, regional Mediterranean powers as well, Israel, uh, Turkey is very, very present, and uh, they use that power to defend their interest uh, without taking into account necessarily uh, European or uh, American or Western uh, transatlantic interest. And that's the way it is now. The last power which is coming, uh, you know it, it's, it's Russia, China is coming, but more on an economic way until now. Uh, Russia is very strong. Uh, the, 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 the presence of, of Russia in the Med uh, is a natural one, I would say, because it's a, it's a very long trend towards uh, the warm seas. And uh, the question with Russia is this posture, anti-Western posture, anti-European posture. And uh, that, that clearly raised concern because it's had tension, two tensions. So uh, all these tensions uh, create a concentration of difficulties, of concern for, uh, for, for Europe and for, and for NATO. And uh, just to, to, to finish with your question, what, what can we do? What are the tools? Uh, I would say that there is no one-size-fits-all tool to answer, to tackle all these challenges. Uh, NATO clearly is a more uh, adapted tool uh, to face the challenges raised by Russia uh, and clearly in east of Europe but as well in the south of, of the Mediterranean because Russia is there as, as I told you but uh, the EU has uh, other tools economical cultural development uh, uh, governance uh, improving the tools and so on and there are other ad hoc uh, structure which can help to have a bilateral contact, uh, to have uh, to, to try to solve the difficulties in a lot of uh, matters, different matters, and so uh, my uh, my uh, final point will be: we have to first of all be very lucid, very very. Uh, we have we must admit that the world that it is now in this region is completely different than we the world we intend to have uh, 30 years ago. So we have to be realistic. Then we have to admit that it's a very complex and multi-actors uh, 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 situation. And so we'll, we will have to, to create synergies between all the tools we have in our hand to try to, to appease uh, this uh, area. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, this uh, uh, intervention, this discussion. Very important. Fabrizio, I would like to turn to you now because, I mean, this is... Uh, Admiral Loser made a, a remark that I found extremely interesting and important. He was talking about the sort of, you know, there's an Eastern Front and there's a Southern Front. And very often we have 
uh, kind of made it in the West, uh, thought things in such a way that these two, these two fronts, so to speak, or these two frontiers of the West were completely dissociated. Was that a mistake? Are, there, are, are these borders, are these fronts actually linked? It was a mistake, but uh, because uh, both are very, very interconnected. We have a two arc, arch of crisis that are going to merge, and we see uh, emerging uh, the challenges and the threat exactly in the area of Syria, in that area in the Middle East. So both the areas are absolutely interconnected. The Admiral was outlining the complexities of the challenges and threat of the area. And this was, uh, let me say, true during the Roman Empire. Uh, the importance and the relevance of this uh, Mediterranean basin was particularly evident during the Cold War because the Mediterranean basin, just to give you how interconnected was, was a kind of liquid continuation of a continental front, a European continental front. So these two areas actually are in, interconnected since many, many years. Maybe we were neglecting this. Uh, looking forward and what to do, we have, uh, if we look to the threats and challenges that has been outlined just uh, by the Admiral one minute ago, uh, we see uh, how besides the military and traditional one, terrorism, proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, most of them are social and economic challenges that we need to approach and to address in a very comprehensive way. That's why we can see and we will see also in the next weeks uh, when uh, the strategic compass and the new strategic concept of NATO and the strategic concept, uh, compass of the European Union will be adopted that we are going to have a much more comprehensive way in order to tackle these challenges and threats from this area. And uh, NATO was establishing just uh, in 2018 a hub for the South based in Naples just to understand uh, which kind of different challenges we need to face there and how to cooperate in a framework of cooperative security. And I think that the strengthening of the cooperation between NATO and the European Union, in particular if coming from both sides of the Atlantic together in the Mediterranean, will be absolutely necessary and helpful to address effectively these challenges and threats. Olva, I turn to you now uh, because uh, so far we've been talking a lot about the problems in the Mediterranean from a northern Mediterranean perspective. The Europeans talking about how they see uh, the current disruption that is, I mean, th this is something that is, that, that, that is obvious for, for everybody. But I would like you to come in with your, uh, with, with, with your views uh, coming from the southern shore of the Mediterranean, how do you view the, uh, the, 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 the current disruption and, and what can be done maybe together to solve the, you know, these many problems that we have in the Mediterranean from you know, the, the war in, in, in Libya, in Syria, uh, the uh, uh, coming of, of China, Russia, etc., etc. What is the, is the perspective from the southern shore different than from the northern shore? A really, really great question. So the, um, the southern shore typically uh, definitely has a different perspective, right? But the thing is, like, it has a lot in common with the, southern, the south of the northern shore, right? 
uh, we share the same economic conditions almost, uh, same even economic spectrum from an agricultural standpoint, tourism, all of these kind of things. So we really have way more in common than we think. And that's one of the things, uh, it is my belief that we should change, right? And if we were to, 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 to bring prosperity and democracy all over the Mediterranean and stability, of course, uh, we need to think of the Mediterranean as a whole rather than north and south. So that's one of the things that, you know, obviously needs to change in terms of assumptions. Uh, I think the other, the other assumption to your question about this, the southern perspective. So north, of, north Africa, and that's basically the south of the Mediterranean, uh, there, are very there are many differences between the various countries, right? So Tunisia is different. I come from Tunisia. Uh, comparing to others in terms of, um, you know, the, the political, primarily the political landscape. They're very different politically, all of these countries. And so it's very hard to kind of like unify or create a common uh, approach to what it means to be part of the Mediterranean. Um, one of the things that is, that I believe uh, we should drive or change uh, in a way to see different results is we need to create a common uh, platform that is called the Mediterranean platform. Uh, whether from a uh, value standpoint, whether from a commitment to stability, uh, a commitment to collaboration economically, culturally, and so on. And so if we, the more we reinforce that, the more we can make the Mediterranean the center of the world from key areas like education, agriculture, and tourism, the Mediterranean could be the center of the world for that, as a matter of fact. Um, I think to your, to, to your point around um, uh, stability, right, in, in, in the Mediterranean, um, if we look at the transatlantic uh, alliance, uh, it, it has been stable because it has this common vision and this common goal of defense and solid relationships between, right, the United States and many European countries. Um, one of the things myself and part of our vision for the, the Third Republic Party uh, which is based in Tunisia and aims, one of our vision is that Tunisia becomes the safe harbor of the southern shore of the Mediterranean, is that we need that transatlantic alliance to actually expand and reach one country on the southern shore of the Mediterranean and more of a, you know, like the same way Turkey joined, for example, NATO, right, a few years ago, and that changed really the, 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 the equation that changed the game. Um, I think in light of the conflict that's happening right, right now and the whole, these challenges on, that are ongoing between Europe and Russia, right, uh, in so many ways, uh, considering Tunisia as one country that is, we believe is the most, the most ready one in a way, um, and the one that has proven itself to be freedom-loving, more aligned with free world values and, 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 and principles, uh, to be part of that alliance, uh, the same way Tunisia became a non-NATO strategic ally to the United States, uh, that could help be a game-changer um, and would anchor Tunisia as the safe harbor for the southern part of the Mediterranean and therefore enforces and enhances stability in the Mediterranean as a whole. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Balkan, I, I, I turn to you now because you're, you're in a, uh, a, geographically, let's say your position is a little bit different because obviously the McDonald Laurier Institute is a Canadian uh, think tank. You are Canadian. How, how does, uh, why, why should Canada or the United States for that matter care about this crisis in the, in the Mediterranean? It is, I mean, uh, it's 
we've, we've heard some people who call themselves paleocons say, mm-hmm. you know, this is not, you know, all that, all that happens in Europe is not of our problem, etc., etc. Why should they even care about the Mediterranean, which is even further away from uh, from, from Europe? And and what what can what can Canada or the United States do to help on this? Uh, thank you, thank you very much, Igor. Thanks for uh, for having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan of it, so it's a pleasure um, to be here. A um, couple things. First, uh, it is what happens in the Mediterranean, as as, as our two other guests uh, pointed out, have a significant impact on the European security and therefore on on the transatlantic security. Right. So, um, uh, on on that level, uh, for our allies and partners, this is a very important region which have a direct impact on the stability of Europe, which then have a direct impact on the stability of North America. Um, for Canada uh, to be part of this transatlantic um, alliance and this you know, preservation of stability and security in the region uh, have always been a part, an important part of, um, of being connected uh, across, uh, across the sea. Uh, so that's number one, right? The, the, it, it matters for our allies, for both our NATO and European allies, and therefore it is important, important for us. Uh, but furthermore, there are um, other partners in the region, such as Israel, uh, that uh, Canada is, is, is closely um, uh, involved in, and therefore um, uh, have, have a stake in, right, in the, in the stability, social and economic stability um, of the region. And lastly, um, the, the, the pressures that um, the, the, the region uh, is experiencing, not only sort of the domestic, economic, um, and humanitarian uh, crises, uh, be it in Yemen or in the Horn of Africa or in other places, uh, but also the uh, sort of the, the penetration by outside actors, such as China, uh, increasingly um, shape the dynamics there. Um, this, this involves the economics and the trade uh, component, and therefore that would also have a, have a significant impact um, on, on, on both the European security as well as the world, uh, world trade, including um, energy resources. But we all know what, <laughs> what happened, for example, uh, when that ship got stuck in, in this channel. Right? So um, uh, the way our, our, our political uh, and economic systems work uh, make the region um, a, a crucial uh, for the stability of Europe, and, and by extension, uh, make it uh, crucial uh, for for Canada, uh, as as Canadians uh, do heavily depend on uh, a functioning international system to prosper and uh, to be to be secure. And uh, it's very hard to see a functioning international order when you have uh, uh, continuous tensions and crises uh, in an area that is that has an impact on Europe, on North Africa, in, in the Middle East. And, and, and that will be uh, you know, inimical to, uh, to, to Canadian interests as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Balkan, because this is an excellent segue to uh, my next question, which I will address more specifically to Fabrizio, but we, we can all uh, uh, react to it because, um, you know, the, the et- etymology uh, from the Latin of the Mediterranean is between, uh, between lands. Uh, and uh, it, 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 the Med in itself, it's not only a strategic zone per se, it's not only li- limited to the its strategic interest is not limited to the sea itself, although I'm sure the Admiral might have a different view on, the, on this, but it, it, it's also a crossroads. It, it's a sea that connects 
lands, but it's also a sea that connects oceans. And then we get to the Red Sea, which by segue means also the Persian Gulf, that we talk about the, the, the Black Sea, uh, we talk obviously about the Atlantic uh, Ocean, and we, we, we're, we're just like learning at the, at the moment to rethink this zone uh, in, 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 in such a way. And the Italians, I find, Fabrizio, have a a concept to try and, and englobe that, which they call the Mediterraneo allargato, or the enlarged Mediterranean. Can you enlighten our listeners on what on what this means? Because that might be that might seem a, a bit of a mystery to uh, to our listeners, particularly those in North America who don't know much about the the, the, the Med region. Oh, thank you. This is a concept that is quite familiar for the Italians. It was probably launched in the middle of the 80s by the Italian uh, uh, Naval Warfare Institute um, in order to uh, outline uh, the center of gravity of our national interest uh, where the Navy and the Armed Forces has to has to look and uh, and this is taking into consideration particularly the fact that you have as you mentioned the three uh, key access uh, uh, to this uh, small Mediterranean small spot of water that is actually the 0.67% of all the waters of the planet it's, it means that you need something like 150 Mediterranean basin to cover all the water of the globe but in this very small spot you have all the turmoils all the strategic uh, challenges coming from the Black Sea coming from uh, let me say the western and northern African shore uh, and so from uh, the Atlantic from Gibraltar and uh, from uh, the Dardanelles uh, from uh, the, the Suez Canal and so uh, that goes even into the, the, the Horn of Africa and uh, there is also some analysts that are considering that also the challenges coming from the uh, Persian Gulf are affecting uh, the stability of the Mediterranean. So Mediterranean is a kind of center of gravity, but you have to look to the Mediterranean, to the strategic challenges in the Mediterranean with a wider perspective. That's the concept. So I'd like, uh, Admiral also, I would like you to react on this because the French and the Italians are not always singing the same, in the same tune when it comes to, to, to the Med. But I personally find this concept very interesting and, and I would like your, your, your reaction, Admiral also, because you have, been, you have been commanding fleets and ships not only in the Mediterranean but in other, in other seas. And obviously France sits between the Med and the Atlantic. Uh, so, uh, how, how, do you, how, how do you see this concept? Is, is, do you find it for, for a non-Italian uh, person, is, is this con to what extent is the, is, is the concept useful? Well, I, I was not aware of this concept, but I, I, to my view is very, very relevant. Uh, there are very strong connections between, uh, between the Black Seas, the Mediterranean Seas, the Red Seas, the, the Persian Gulf, even the north of the Indian Ocean and, and, and the Atlantic. And all this area is more and more interconnected. And as we said, the powers, the regional powers all around this area are acting more and more freely. Uh, they are emancipating, emancipating themselves from, from the United States, from, from, from the West, and, that, and all these tensions are interrelated. Uh, I, I would uh, open this uh, enlarged Mediterranean with uh, the Sahelian zone, uh, and, and yes, because, because there are connections there, and you know that what's happened in Mali uh, has uh, interaction with Turkey, with Russia, uh, and with the stability in Europe as well. So uh, everything is 
is more and more, uh, you know, the, 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 the planet is, is reducing its size because we are, we are now 8 billion people on, 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 the, on Earth. And so uh, at the same time, the geography stay, but the way we use it, the, the way powers people uh, apprehend this, this uh, region is more and more, uh, once again, interconnected and it creates it could create new opportunity to uh, to have inter to have cooperation uh, to have relations to improve our common uh, our common uh, management i would say of this uh, strategic area but at the same time and we have to admit it uh, it can create new kind of tensions new inter interactions in in the use of force uh, and uh, and it is uh, a little bit what's happened today. I would say that uh, the reality of, of, uh, of today in this area is, uh, is a very uh, harsh reality. I mean, uh, the, 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 the situation, we have to admit it, is, 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 uh, is worse than uh, it used to be uh, 15 years ago. Oh, just to say that the Admiral is absolutely right when, uh, um, when he's saying that we need also to look to the perspective that goes to the sale. This is of paramount relevance. And uh, some analysts are identifying also three, let's say, kind of subsystem in this enlarged Mediterranean, a Euro-Mediterranean, let's say, area that is much more stable, a Middle East one that is more, uh, of course, uh, trouble, and uh, even another one that is quite true more that it that goes to the Caspian and the Caucasus. Okay, thank you. Balkan, I'd like to turn to you because uh, you did uh, to still go with this concept uh, of the enlarged Mediterranean and, and here I'd like to, to go more specifically to the Black Sea and this intermarium between the Black Sea and, 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 and the Baltic. So obviously, you know, the, the, the the, the problem, so to speak, with the, the concept of the, of the enlarged Mediterranean, it means something very specific, uh, with very specific interests for, for Italy, but you can actually enlarge it almost ad infinitum. Uh, we talked about the Sahel, uh, and, and I would like you to tell me about how, how, and to tell us about how the interest from the Mediterranean, we have you know, issues and projection that actually go towards the Baltic Sea. And the question then that I would like to ask you, can you explain that to us? And, and, and maybe another question is like, where do we put the, the end of this, you know, this, uh, uh, this enlarged Mediterranean? Because from so many perspectives, we can go to the Indian Ocean, to the Sahel, to the Baltic Sea. I mean, you know, is, is, or, or does that mean that the Med is the center of the world? Then? Well, it, it was at some point, right, uh, during the <laughs> Roman Empire. Um, but I think there's two ways to think about sort of bodies of water. The Admiral would, would know much better than I do. Uh, one is um, as a barrier, right, sort of the whole idea of the stopping power of, of water, the oceans. That's more of a sort of a, uh, countries like the United States or Canada tend to see waters as such. But the other way to think of them are as, as highways, as, as, as things that people and, and goods um, and as well as you know, navies and armies uh, move through. Um, and when you think of, of the Mediterranean and the enlarged Mediterranean in that sense, it is a highway of uh, you know, coming and combining from Caucasus to the Middle East, from North Africa to Europe, um, even to, to the Black Sea. It is an area in which you have all these uh, forces uh, forces combine and, and move through. Uh, when you look at from that particular perspective, 
uh, and when you look at uh, towards towards the north to the Black Sea, um, General Ban Hojas in, in, in SIPA has been writing about it for a while, for example, placing the Black Sea sort of in the in the center and looking at it beyond uh, from Baltics to the to the Mediterranean. Uh, uh, what you what you see there is uh, particularly in, in, in a geopolitical sense. Um, similar actors playing an important role, especially now, um, and namely Russia and, and, and Turkey. Um, Russia, uh, as you can imagine, uh, uh, from Arctic to the Baltic to the Black Sea to the Mediterranean, um, do have a, a, a sort of a, a broader view of how its interests are shaped and react things uh, in, in a connected way, um, and therefore uh, could pose a challenge um, to, um, to to you know to, to, to transatlantic allies from the Arctic to the Eastern Mediterranean. So there is one sort of a common challenger uh, connection that one needs to one needs to think about. Um, Turkey, on the other hand, uh, is you know, sitting at the uh, one of the choke points uh, in the region in Turkey Straits. Um, and again, it's going back to the whole idea of, of highways. I mean, Mediterranean, uh, the Mediterranean have uh, Gibraltar and Suez and Turkey Straits as important sort of choke points for uh, for for international trade, um, which makes uh, which makes it crucial for for the functioning of the of the international economy. Um, and Turkey sits in, in one of those, and uh, and have been both as a, as a you know, transatlantic ally, as a, as a member of, of NATO, uh, but uh, occasionally, in the, particularly in the past uh, 10, 15 years, a, a difficult one, uh, depending on, on who are you asking, um, uh, provide uh, an important both possibility of, of a balancing role against uh, against Russia, but also as a disruptor uh, in, in, in certain cases, particularly when it comes to the Eastern Mediterranean and, and, and conflicting, uh, conflicting interests. Um, so you have um, a, a NATO member that is sitting in, in between uh, these, these two areas uh, and, and a major challenger to, to the transatlantic alliance today, Russia, uh, that is you know, going from the Arctic to the, to the Mediterranean, um, that is right there sitting. So those actually make, them make it connected. Just to wrap up with where do we end? Does this go to the end of the world? <clears throat> I would say, that it is a shifting uh, conception, right? The idea of an enlarged Mediterranean um, as or partly geographic, but partly political. And as, as the connections extend down to Sahel and, and beyond, and as the Challenger uh, goes up to the Baltic and even to Arctic, uh, those boundaries are much more fluid than what we would uh, you know, normally just associate with a geographic area uh, of it. And I would necessarily you know, bring in the, the Red Sea and, and, and the northern uh, part of the Indian Ocean as well, as India becomes more and more active in, in, in the world stage. So those, um, by definition, those, those concepts are fluid and change, change over time. So it doesn't necessarily the same thing. It means in the, uh, in the Roman Empire, uh, and it probably will change in, uh, its shape uh, as, as, as move move forward though I very much doubt we'll get to the Pacific <laughs> <laughs> okay well although although you know there is there is also a link because that and this is where yeah. China comes into play right? exactly. because exactly. the the uh, if, chi if China wants to get its goods to uh, Northwestern Europe which is the the final destination yes. or to the to to Europe uh, to core it has to go uh, through the Mediterranean or otherwise it has to go through uh, either the north uh, the North Road 
which is still problematic uh, even with global warming yes. or the southern uh, through the, 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 the Cape of Good Hope which, which has its uh, own problems particularly in terms uh, of length uh, of carrying the, carrying the water. Uh, Balkan, uh, you're, you're, you're the, the person that I want to speak last each time because you, you kind of make the segue into the next question and I, I would like to ask you guys a, a question about, specific question about Turkey uh, because Turkey right now obviously with, with, with Russia's reckless behavior and its invasion uh, and aggression in, in, in Ukraine, we are focusing on, 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 on Russia uh, as the problem. But the thing is, uh, with Turkey, the relationship is, is difficult. Turkey, Balkan, you mentioned in Turkey, Turkey is an ally. In NATO, it is also uh, the second biggest in terms of, of, of manpower. It's the second uh, biggest uh, army. And frankly, you know, it's not an army I would like to be faced with, at least uh, uh, if I look at what they are, you know, what the, 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 the the Bayraktar drones have been uh, have been doing in, uh, uh, in 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 Ukraine right now. Uh, so the, the, my question too, because you, you all have a different perspective on, on on Turkey. What is the problem that we are we're having with with our relationship with Turkey, and how how can we? I mean, how can we get the relationship better? Because obviously we've understood that Turkey is important. Uh, if only for the straits, right? Uh, I would also add the also the the, the military capacity uh, of Turkey, which is uh, uh, you know very very important. This is not to diminish the uh, contribution of either France or, uh, or or Italy or Canada. But how? I mean, what should be uh, uh, the strategy towards Turkey? Is it like do we do we try to keep them in at all costs? I mean, what is exactly their 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 place uh, uh, within uh, within NATO? Uh, I'll start with you, Admiral, sir. Uh, I would say that um, Turk the policy of Turkey shows the new world in, in which we are living now. Uh, it's not a westernized world. Turkey is emancipating himself from, from the West. It doesn't mean that Turkey is away from the West completely. It doesn't mean that they are not a, a, an ally. They are an ally when their, their interests are at stake. So, vis-à-vis -vis Turkey, Vis-à-vis -vis Russia, today, Turkey uh, uh, cho has chosen its camp and, and clearly uh, uh, stay alongside the Allies. And it's very important because, uh, because they hold the Turkish threats, which, is, which are vital for, for Russia. So they are of very good levels vis-à-vis -vis Russia. But we can't ask them to be completely aligned with the West. It's, it's, that would be no more the case. They are playing their own uh, policy uh, uh, in Syria, in Iraq, because the Kurds issue is for them very important, much more important that, uh, than uh, Daesh or uh, uh, terrorism or uh, radical Islamism. Okay. So, so, so they have them, their own policies, and, and we have to take it into account. Vis-à-vis uh, uh, -vis, uh, ra radicalism, Islam, uh, and political Islam, uh, as you know, AKP, the, the party of uh, Mr. Erdogan, is, is promote political Islam. So uh, their, their vision, their perspective on the political Islam is very different from say the French position, uh, we, are, we have the, the feeling that uh, it, it, it's a big stakes for our democracies. And, uh, but, but that's the way it is. And uh, um, speaking about the gas in, in uh, East Med and the relationship with, with Cyprus and, and Greece, uh, uh, 
they have their own perspectives, which is clearly different from the Greece and in, 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 in Cyprus, and by the way, from, from the French position. And uh, once again, uh, we will not put Turkey in the same position that the, the Turkey had uh, 10 years ago. It's, it's done, it's over. And so we have to admit that in this new period, I would say, of history, the powers uh, will have, will defend their position, uh, sometimes with you, sometimes neutral, sometimes against you. And we have to, it's a new mindset we have to, to develop uh, to understand the world as it is and, uh, and to defend our interest, our model, our security, our prosperity. Uh, uh, with cooperation sometimes, with confrontation sometimes, with wars sometimes. Fabrizio, so let's get the Italian perspective because the, 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 French, the French relationship with Turkey, and, and thank you, this was really cold-blooded analysis of, of you know, the, 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 the relationship that we have with Turkey. I'd, li I'd like to have an Italian perspective on this because the Italy, Italy's relationship with Turkey, Italy, Italy's always made a, a great effort to, be, uh, to, be, to have a, a very, very friendly relationship with Turkey. How, how does that, I mean, how does this new situation that Admiral Loser just described, and the, the, the fact, it's not that we are losing Turkey, but Turkey is having a life on its own. How, how do you apprehend that from, from an Italian perspective? As you say, the Italy has a very good and friendly relationship with uh, Turkey, but at the same time, even in a lively moment, let me say, of the dispute between Greece and Turkey, we were conducting uh, uh, naval exercises exactly in that very moment with Greece. So we were able to keep and to maintain a very good relationship with both the country. And let me say this was uh, possible also because uh, there was a kind of compensation room that was the Atlantic, the Atlantic Council at NATO. And looking with this perspective and with the perspective of uh, the Italian Atlantic Committee, uh, we need to see uh, um, that Turkey remains uh, a key uh, ally uh, in NATO, uh, not only as a, a troop contributor and um, ready, but uh, there is important land command in Turkey, there is a center of excellence on counter-terrorism that is very relevant and very important, particularly for uh, Turkey because Turkey has been one of the NATO countries probably the most affected by uh, terrorist attacks and in uh, relevant uh, in uh, relevant uh, cities so <clears throat> even if Italy has uh, some let's say um, Debates. I don't want to say this, but if I look to the exploration of gas uh, in the offshore of Cyprus, uh, we are keeping and maintaining and conducting a very good relationship with both the country, Turkey and Greece. Well, and Greece is obviously part of uh, part of NATO. Cyprus is not for plenty of different <laughs> different reasons that we don't have time to 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 to, to talk about. So yeah, it, it is obviously. I mean, this, this, there 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 is a question of balance that we need to, to think about, and and this actually leads me to uh, the Eastern Med and the question of uh, of, of energy. And I, I'm going to turn to 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 Balkan first, and then I will let both of you uh, all of you uh, react to that. 
We are faced right now uh, with the invasion of Ukraine. We are faced with a number of crises. Uh, we talked during this uh, Mid-Atlantic Summit about the, the food crisis, which is something that is, uh, that, that, that is coming. Uh, there is a, a, an energy crisis as well that we're, that we're faced with. And surprise, surprise, uh, you know, Russia is closing its doors, but this is the, you know, an interesting development we have found uh, gas uh, 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 reserves in the eastern Mediterranean. So, you know, we were talking about a sort of relation extending the Mediterranean to the to the north, almost to the Arctic. Now we're kind of getting back to the Mediterranean. Is the Eastern Med the kind of the, the, the solution, the quick fix of uh, uh, our our energy problems? And what problems does that raise? Because we talked about the tensions between Turkey and, 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 and Greece. And obviously, if gas is more expensive, then obviously this is a resource that, uh, uh, that, that, that creates more tension. So Balkan, I would love to, to have your, your thoughts on this. And obviously, as a Canadian, a country that produces a lot of gas, yes. uh, uh, the, your, your, your thoughts would be, uh, uh, would be welcome. Uh, well, let me just uh, uh, preface it by saying that I'm not, I'm not an energy expert, but my understanding of the available resources in the Eastern Mediterranean um, and, and the issues related with their exploitation and transportation uh, means that um, even if there is a sudden decision by all stakeholders and, and we miraculously solve the, 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 the geopolitical uh, tensions, there will still be an economic and technical barriers for their development and transportation. And even with that, the, those resources will not be sufficient to compensate uh, uh, for, uh, for the potential uh, uh, loss of Russian, uh, Russian, Russian gas, uh, which you know, Europe needs to reduce its, its reliance on. So um, I don't think that's the, sort of the, the, the magical sort of want that, would, that will solve, um, solve the issue. A lot of the sort of uh, the, the fields in there, you know, uh, the Leviathan, for example, and so on and so forth, um, provides uh, energy resources, natural gas, uh, for the countries that are actually exploiting them or owning those, so for Israel and for Egypt and for others. So uh, the, the, the amount that it will be available for export and in addition to the difficulty of, of constructing um, uh, pipelines that will not necessarily, for example, involve Turkey, which will be sort of the shortest way to go, but because of the political tensions, etc., would make, would not necessarily make it even at this high level uh, natural gas prices would may or may not make it you know, a commercial viable, um, and even even with that, the volume may not be may not be sufficient. Now. Uh, one way is to deal with it. I'm just going to, uh, you know, do a little plug in here for, for Canada. Is of course um, uh, is to, you know, diversify even further um, uh, you know, European energy resources, and Canadian LNG could could play uh, an important role. However, the trouble is on the Canadian side uh, because of our domestic and, and, and regulatory um, issues. Uh, Canada doesn't have the, you know, neither the pipeline nor the, nor the sort of LNG capabilities on the East Coast to be able to um, send them, and that has uh, a lot to do with, with Canadian uh, domestic uh, domestic politics. It's something at the Institute we have been um, hammering home uh, quite a bit, uh, not only sort of as a, as a, as a possibility and, and you know, um, uh, opportunity for Canada, but also to you know, provide support for our European allies to reduce um, their, their, their reliance on Russian gas. So. In the, in the short to medium term, I frankly cannot see well, neither the, the Canadian LNG nor the, nor the, um, uh, the Eastern Med uh, uh, resources 
com compensating uh, what, what has been going on. Um, and you know, probably the best way to go uh, would be to rethink the, the nuclear policy in, in, in Europe. And uh, you know, in my opinion, the very unwise decision after 2011 uh, in Germany to shut down uh, or sort of speed up the shutting down of nuclear, uh, nuclear power plants. Uh, France didn't do the same mistake. Uh, uh, and Germany, as a result of that mistake, uh, increased reliance on coal, increased reliance on, on, on natural gas, as well as actually start getting more uh, you know, uh, electricity from France, as far as I know. So um, uh, there are no, I think, short-term uh, short solutions, because most of these energy projects require uh, heavy capital investment and long time, uh, uh, long time uh, to, to develop, while the, the geopolitical pressures we are experiencing right now are immediate. We've just heard that there's no silver bullet on the energy, on the energy crisis that, at least immediately, that that, that Europe is facing. And yet, yesterday, uh, when we when we had our first roundtable, uh, when we had our roundtable on the energy in the Mediterranean, you you had some interesting facts and figures and and, and concept to basically tell us in Europe not to forget about the opportunities of energy energy providing that 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 north africa uh, uh can have so w what is the what is the tunisian view on 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 how we can solve this uh, uh immediate energy crisis that is the direct result of russia's aggression in ukraine uh so you know as as you mentioned and i actually appreciated you guys bringing energy into this event right because it is a key component of the geopolitical uh, landscape that we have here in the Mediterranean and for stability a, as a whole. Um, yeah, you're, basically, you know, Europe is, is, is kind of like in between Russia and North Africa. I mean, that's kind of like if we, we think about it. So North Africa is the southern border of the European Union. Um, and already North Africa already supplies a lot of energy to Europe uh, through the Trans-Mediterranean uh, um, uh, pipeline, which comes from Algeria, crosses Tunisia, goes to Sicily, and then feeds a, lo a lot of uh, uh, countries in, in Europe, uh, but which is also, you know, only functioning at 50% capacity. So there is a potential with existing infrastructure to supply Europe with more natural gas um, coming from North Africa, in addition to the fact that one of the largest shale gas resources um, in the world, as a matter of fact, sits in North Africa, and that is largely untapped. If we talk about Tunisia specifically, uh, we have, you know, the Third Republic Party, we've looked into the energy piece of Tunisia. We were, we're building a roadmap for energy independence, uh, uh, the same way other countries did in the Mediterranean and succeeded in doing that within 15 to 20 years or so. Uh, but one of the things that we see is that, for example, you know, primarily the proven reserves of Tunisia are largely untapped and unexploited. Uh, they're, they're southern, southerns and the sea, both, downstream, upstream, both, on both sides. Uh, so Tunisia uh, uh, right now, uh, you know, produces about, like, explodes about 3.7%, 4% max of its proven reserves. And so if we, we aim to encourage more international investment, and we're thinking European oil and gas companies that would invest in Tunisia and develop those resources even further for obviously national consumption, but also for exports. And we do export you know, oil products as well. So, so my thinking is that you know, for the European Union, there's this, you mentioned a little bit of the politics side, which comes also into energy. We always have the sense that 
okay, North Africa is part of the problem. You know, it's it's a uh, it's an unstable area, or um, you know, we need to just manage it in a way. It's an alternative, but not really. Uh, you know, it's an optional alternative. But what I would like to invite everybody to think about is how about making the nor- the northern piece of North Africa, right? So the Tunisia primarily, Algeria, maybe Libya, but primarily Tunisia because it's really the most stable um, country that has the, be- the best business-friendly uh, environment for international investment, right? Is to consider the country as a source of supply both on the extractive resources but also on minerals as well and that's an area that maybe we we need to touch a little bit more about because with the rise of renewable energy overall globally there is a higher need for mineral resources which we need to produce and extract out of many areas in the world and that's the next you know, uh, big, uh, basically, uh, geopolitical issue will be mineral resources. And so, to your point, yes, uh, North Africa and Tunisia specifically could be, as is right now, a bigger gateway to supply in Europe with further energy. I'm afraid we're, we're getting to the end of, uh, of this show because we're, we're going to have to start our, our workings in a, in a, in a larger uh, assembly in a, few, in a few minutes. But be, before, before we go, I would like to ask each of you a, uh, a question. I would like to ask you a very, very short answer because we've talked about a lot of things and uh, you know, in these two days uh, of, of the Mid-Atlantic uh, summit organized by, by IRI in, in partnership with Fare Futuro and the uh, Italian Atlantic Committee. Uh, we are talking about plenty of different things. What we have just talked about, but also uh, migration, uh, we are talking about institutions, uh, we are talking also about uh, kleptocratic uh, practices and uh, the fight against corruption, which is another uh, huge issue uh, uh, to tackle. Uh, within this conversation, what have we missed? And, and maybe what could we do the next podcast uh, about? Uh, uh, you know, we, we have briefly touched a, a upon something. We talked about food, about, uh, uh, you know, here I just mentioned corruption. What, what, what do you think is the most salient point that we, we have missed in this 40 minutes conversation? Maybe I'll, I'll start with you, Admiral sir. Uh, I would say that there is a an area which seems to me very new, at the same time very new and very key, very important, it's information warfare. Today, in the world in, in, in which we are living, a globalized world with a flow of information, with uh, artificial intelligence which allows people to manipulate the minds of people, uh, there is a war. A piston war, I would say. Already, we are in a war, a global war, for the uh, intellectual apprehension of the world, of the situation, and uh, democracy and uh, both sides of the Atlantic are not completely aware of it. Uh, we are not very at ease with this kind of warfare, um, and in my view, it is a very, really, really big challenge for the future because we can lose the war before uh, the war. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, for, once again, as always, to understand what's happened, to admit that the reality as it is, and to find a way to, to, to fight this war without 
going putting all our values on the, on, on the dustbin. So we have to find a way to, to, to battle, to fight, uh, and to win at the end of the day uh, this information war, uh, keeping in mind the fact that we stay, we, we, we just keep our, our values on board. Mm. And indeed, uh, very relevant to the, the Mediterranean because you mentioned at the very beginning uh, of, of the podcast this sort of information warfare that uh, some powers have been waging against the West uh, to uh, take the southern half of the, or the southern part of the Med uh, away uh, from the northern part. So I guess that's something very Yeah, indeed, indeed. So there, there is there, there, there is a lot to say. Uh, Fabrizio Lucioli, I would like to ask you the same question. What have we missed so far and what should we talk about in the future? Uh, I will reply in a different way. I will say that we were actually addressing, uh, particularly in the closed-door meetings, uh, very uh, deeply all the challenges that, we, uh, that are in front of us and even some way outs were coming up. Uh, I think that uh, we need to continue in this, uh, in this um, way of doing the things that means uh, to think Atlantic. This is the way uh, to effectively address the challenges that we are discussing and debating in these very two days uh, of our proceedings. Okay, well, that's that's great because there's a title of our of, of our podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, never forget the link with the with the Atlantic and and, and think Atlantic. That's a great uh, that's a great motto. I'll I'll try I'll try to keep yeah. it. Balkan, um, tell us what 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 have we missed so far? Uh, when it comes to the Mediterranean, I think we, we have touched upon all the three things that I will say. But I think more more focus will probably be useful. One is that you know, China has been looming in the background, but we probably need to think more thoroughly what would a Chinese strategy for the Mediterranean look like and, and how um, their relations, particularly uh, with the Gulf states and, and beyond, could shape uh, the way, uh, the way uh, uh, we operate here in, in, in the Mediterranean. Uh, they've been buying ports and all that stuff, so you know, we need to talk, to talk more about China. Uh, the second is, again, uh, demographics, the rapidly changing demographics um, of the region. Um, you know, in Africa, North Africa, but but Sahel and beyond, um, in, in 30 years, um, it will be a different world, and we need to come to terms with uh, what that means uh, uh, for for the Transatlantic Alliance and for for the Mediterranean and for Europe more broadly. And lastly, uh, I think we need to talk a little bit more on on the realignments in the Middle East, and particularly the normalization of relationship between Israel and, and, and others, such as uh, you know, United Arab Emirates and, and, and Saudis and, and others. Um, and what that means in terms of the realignment of, of different uh, geopolitical actors uh, in the Levant um, and, and in the Gulf. Um, and how that would have, a, you know, what role Europe and Transatlantic Alliance should play in that particular realignment. Okay, so I think we have uh, material for plenty of other uh, podcasts on the Mediterranean and uh, other things. We're, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it here, uh, but I would like uh, to thank uh, my guests, Pascal uh, Osser, Fabrizio Lucioli, uh, and uh, Balkan Devlin, uh, and Olfa Hamdi for uh, joining us uh, for this important discussion on the Mediterranean. Our guests are uh, present on the web. You can follow uh, them. Uh, uh, Pascal Osser I think is not on Twitter, but the uh, Institute uh, FMES 
uh, is and you can follow them at uh, Institut FMES and their website is fmes-france.org uh, with regards to Balkan uh, Devlin his uh, uh, address is uh, at Balkan Devlin and uh, you can follow of course the McDonald Laurier uh, Institute their website is mcdonaldlaurier.ca uh, Fabrizio Lucioli is at FW Lucioli on Twitter you can check out the website of the uh, Atlantic Committee our partner for uh, this event with Fare Futuro it's uh, comitatoatlantico.it uh, and finally Olfa Hamdi uh, is on Twitter at Olfa uh, Hamdi and I'm sure the movement for the Third Republic will have a website very soon so we will make sure that we uh, check it out. This is the end of this episode of Think Atlantic the podcast that provides you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic, um, the transatlantic space. Many thanks to Brianna Kerr and Romain Lequinu uh, for producing this series uh, you can also of course follow us at IRI Global and uh, at Think Atlantic. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode and we're going to talk uh, about France because there are uh, presidential elections approaching, believe it or not. But in the meantime, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and of course share it with your friends and colleagues. We'll love it where we get more listeners. Thanks for listening in and talk to you very soon.